Lord Jesus, we do want to serve you by loving others, and you know how to do that. So, Lord, we pray that you would use what you say to us in the Bible to help us be more like you, to help us be servants. We pray this in your name. Amen. Whenever my brother and I go running, it's actually a fairly, when we go running together, actually a fairly miserable experience because even though we're both grown adults, sort of, we haven't yet worked out our sibling rivalry issues. So what happens is we start running at a mutually acceptable pace, but then I speed up just a little bit, just to get just a little bit ahead of him. But I do it subtly. Because I don't want him to know that I'm actually trying. I just want him to think, wow, Scott is fast. So that he feels small and intimidated by my presence. (laughs) The problem is it doesn't work because then he speeds up a little bit. And then I speed up and then he speeds up. And pretty soon we're both running full tilt and we can't even talk because we're so winded. And what started out as this sort of friendly run turns into a miserable competition and Because we're both now middle-aged, someone is bound to get hurt. I mean, we're going to pull something someday. For me, that's a metaphor of my life. Always trying to get ahead. And I think a lot of us do that in one way or the other. We, we want to be number one. We want the best office. We want the, the best job. We want to keep up with the neighbors, climb the social ladder. We're all trying to get ahead. Now, just look at something as simple as the checkout line in the supermarket, right? It's all there, the whole human condition, right there at QFC, (laughs) spread out in front of you, right? There you are with your three items, and you're headed toward the checkout stand, and you notice that someone next to you with a whole cart full is headed in the same direction. Now, in that moment, do you stop and think, I just really want to serve this person and let them go first? (laughs) A couple of you do. But the rest of us move with the speed of an Olympic runner and leave that person in the dust and beat them to the checkout stand. In the love of Jesus, of course. (laughs) It's like life is a sprint to see who can get to the top of the mountain first. And the result is life is not nearly as much fun as it could be, and somebody's bound to get hurt. In the stories we just read, Jesus says this crazy, crazy thing. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, And all who humble themselves will be exalted. And whoever wishes to be great among you must become a servant. In other words, up is down, and down is up. If we try to climb the ladder and achieve, we're going to end up on the bottom. But if we become a servant and put ourselves down on the bottom first, then we will be exalted. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's another one of those paradoxes that is part of living in Jesus' upside-down kingdom. So I want to talk about how this works. How can this possibly be true? How can up be down and down be up? Let's take the first part. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. Now, if you think about it, that's actually true, right? Think about what do we get for all of our efforts to get to the top, to achieve and succeed? Well, for starters, we get a lot of stress. Recently, I read about parents in Manhattan who, as soon as they get pregnant, put their unborn child on a waiting list to get into one of the finest preschools in the city so that then the kid will have a leg up at getting into one of the best kindergartens and elementary school and high school and Harvard and so that the kid can grow up to be a neurotic stress case because it was such a good thing for their parents, right? We get stress. 
And then even when we do achieve and succeed, the thrill never lasts. Right? We all know the feeling of getting the promotion or the best car on the block or the, or the bigger house. It doesn't last. It wears out. And even our biggest achievements are very quickly forgotten. I was talking with some friends who work in the world of finance this week. And they said that every January 1st, all of their performance records are wiped clean. And they start at zero every year. Doesn't matter what they did the year before, every January 1st, they all start at zero. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. Even our best achievements are very quickly forgotten, if not by us, by everyone else. As I was, when I was starting my career in ministry, I had a, an older pastor say to me, Scott, there will be four stages in your career. The first stage will be people asking, who is Scott Dudley? The second stage, people will say, get me Scott Dudley. In the third stage, they're going to say, get me a young Scott Dudley. And the fourth stage, who is Scott Dudley? That's what it all comes down to, folks. No matter what we achieve, it doesn't last. We get forgotten. And even when we do achieve something, have you ever noticed how folks aren't nearly as impressed as you think they ought to be? When I was finishing my graduate work, I was working on my dissertation. And, you know, they take a long time to write. There's couple hundred pages long, a lot of research. They take a while to do. And I was kind of proud of this project and thinking that I was all that and more. Well, one day, Christine and I were visiting my grandmother. And as we were leaving, my grandmother said to me, hurry up and finish that little paper of yours. (laughs) And I said, well, actually, Grandma, it's more like a book. And she said, whatever, no one's going to read it anyway. Just finish it. Christina was howling with laughter. Thought that was the funniest thing she'd ever seen, right? He who exalts himself will be humbled by his family. When we strive to get ahead, we get stress. Our achievements are forgotten, and our accomplishments only serve to provoke more fear and envy in others than respect. And nothing we ever achieve can make anyone love us. When we try to move up, we move down. But if we're willing to move down and be a servant, the promise of Jesus is that we will be exalted. And I think that means that we do two things in life. To move up by moving down means that we do our best at what God has given us to do and let him worry about our status and reputation. You see, Jesus isn't saying in these passages that we shouldn't try to excel, that we shouldn't strive to achieve and do our best. That's not what God is saying, or what Jesus is saying. There's nothing wrong with achievement. There's nothing wrong with being exalted if God is the one pushing you up. That's the point of that story that Jesus tells about the dinner party, where Jesus says, don't take the best seat, take the lowest seat. And then if the host moves you up, that's great. It's not wrong to sit in the seat of honor. It's wrong to grab for it. If God assigns it to you, though, take it. So here's what we do. In business, you make the best product you can make, and you're always trying to make it better. And if if you end up at the top of the market, great. And if you don't, well, that's God's call, not yours. Don't worry about it. In your career, you concentrate on being the best teacher or manager or lawyer or student, whatever you are. And you're always trying to get better. And if that lands you in the corner office with the view, awesome. If not, that's God's call. Don't worry about it. We do our best at what God has given us to do and let him worry about our reputation and our status. 
The second way that we move up by moving down is that we become servants. We serve others. And servant here doesn't mean being a groveling, trampled-on person. It, it, It means caring for others and helping them become everything God created them to be. And we do this in a couple of ways. We can serve in a couple of ways, easy ways. One is just to pay attention to people and really listen to them. Really listen to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I can just get in my own little world and not even notice others. I do that here sometimes. I really do it at home. You know, I'll come home and I'll start reading the magazine or something like that, and and I'll hear this sort of sound in the background. But I don't really quite tune in, but gradually I begin to be able to pick out what the sound is saying. And it's my wife. And she's saying... Are you listening? Are you paying? You're not paying attention, are you? Oh, yes, no, I am. I'm just uh, multitasking. That's it, yeah. To serve someone means to pay attention to them and to listen carefully to what they're saying and to listen with patience. As a friend of mine says, when his wife comes to him and says, I have something I'd like to talk about, he has learned that what is it now does not count as compassionate listening. As I was writing this sermon, I was praying and asking God to give me some illustrations for the sermon, which a pastor should never do because God will. (laughs) And a little while later, my cell phone rang, and it was a former student who needed to talk. But I was anxious to get this sermon done. I, I had a deadline, so I found myself trying to bring the conversation to a close. You ever do that? You know, maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But, you know, I sort of try to close it off by pat answers. You know, well, it's just great to hear from you and cheer up. You know, God works for good in all circumstances. And, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun, right? (laughs) And I kept thinking, I can't talk to you right now. I have a sermon to write on being a servant. (laughs) Leave me alone. And then I thought, well, there's my illustration, huh? This week, if you want to serve someone. A neighbor, a coworker, a friend, listen to them. Another way we serve is simply to do little things that will make someone, else li- someone else's life easier. In my old church in California, we had a retired, retired admiral who's just great at this. He'd been in charge of entire fleets. He'd, he'd known presidents and senators. But he always said to us, what do you need me to do? I'll just do anything. I'll sweep the floors. I'll clean the windows. And he meant it. And, and he did those things for us. And I always had such huge respect that even though he was this big deal admiral, he was willing to sweep the floors just to make our lives a little easier at the church. Being a servant means doing simple things that help others. My wife tells me that I am the most attractive to her when I am taking out the garbage. She says, nothing says romance like a man with a trash can. So... Being a servant means doing simple things that help other people make their life easier. And finally, being a servant means finding ways to help others succeed and become all that God created them to be. One of the people who has served me most in my life was the senior pastor I worked for in California. He was constantly giving up his own preaching time, constantly taking a back seat so that I could develop my gifts as a pastor. That's being a servant. We serve when we listen. We serve when we do things that simply help make other people's lives easier. And we serve when we take a back seat and help others become everything God created them to be. 
And that's what we've been talking about since September. That's what we want to do in our Jubilee year as individuals and as a congregation. Acts of service that show our community the real Jesus. And tons of ways that you can do this. You could join in our partnership with Stevenson Elementary. Lots of things to do there. You could serve a child in our own church by teaching Sunday school. Plug. (laughs) Serve a single mom by offering some free babysitting. Serve your coworker by listening to them or helping them with a project or simply letting them get credit for something, even if you had a part in that. You stop by our Get Connected booth after the service, we can give you all kinds of opportunities. Some of them only take a few minutes. And the promise Jesus gives us is that when we do this, when we move down so that others can move up, when we serve, we are exalted. Down is up. And I know that sounds like one of those crazy things that pastors always say. Actually, I I didn't say it. Jesus did, so talk to him about it. But it sounds so counterintuitive, but many, many, many of you do this. Many of you serve, and you know it's true. When we serve, we always get way more than we give. And there is no greater mountaintop experience than knowing that God has used you to make someone else's life better. Two years ago, there was an article in Sports Illustrated about a high school football game in Ohio. Some of you may have read this. And there was a senior there named Jake Porter on one of the teams. And Jake was mentally disabled. But he loved football, and he'd go to practice every day, even though because of his disability, he'd never play a game. Well, right before the last game of Jake's final season, his coach decided that he wanted to put Jake in the game, just once. So he talked it over with the coach from the opposing team, and he said, look, if the score doesn't matter, if the score is really lopsided, do you mind if I put Jake in the game for just one down? And what Jake will do is he'll just take the ball and he'll drop to his knee. That's it. Do you mind if I do that? The coach from the other team said, sure, no problem. Well, it turned out that the score really was very lopsided. Jake's team was losing 42 to 0. It was, it was brutal. It was ugly. And, and at this point, I'm just going to avoid the temptation to make a WSU joke. You know, I'm just, but know that I could. I want you to witness my restraint. It's a great school. With five seconds left on the clock, Jake's coach decided to put him in the game, so he called a timeout. But when he did, the coach from the other team came running across the field, and he said, I don't think you should just put Jake in the game. I think Jake should score. Now, you've got to understand, this other coach, his name was Derek DeWitt, was a brand-new coach. And this would have been the first shutout of his career. It would have been a nice item on the resume. But he was willing to give it up to be a servant so that Jake could score. Jake's coach said, we can't do that. We haven't practiced it that way. Jake only knows to take the ball and drop to his knee. The opposing coach said, don't worry about it. I'll fix it. (laughs) So he went back across the field, and he said to his players what no coach has ever said before. When the runner gets the ball, just get out of the way and let him go. (laughs) Words not often uttered in a huddle, right? (laughs) Don't hear too much. So Jake took the snap, and he started to go down on his knees, but all the other players started to lift him up. And then point him to the end zone, and he started running the wrong direction, but then the refs turned him around and pointed him to the end zone. And Jake went all the way down the field, and Jake's team was cheering, the opposing team was cheering, the refs were cheering, and Jake scored a touchdown. And, and then all the, you know, both teams surrounded him, hugged him, gave him high fives. That's servanthood. It was paying close attention to what Jake really needed. And it was a simple act that helped him. 
And it was a lot of other people taking a back seat so that Jake could succeed and experience just a little bit of why God created him and what God created him to be. And this coach, this brand new coach, Coach DeWitt, gave up the first shutout of his career, which would have been a nice feather in his cap, just so that Jake could score a touchdown. And he didn't have to do it. Jake's coach was just asking if Jake could play one down. Now, it turned out, the very next week, Coach DeWitt got his shutout game. But I have a question for you. Which game do you think gave Coach DeWitt more joy? And which one is he going to remember longer? His first shutout or the game where he helped Jake score a touchdown? And there were a lot of young men that played the game that day. And as time goes by, they will forget a lot of things about the games they played. They won't remember scores. They won't remember touchdowns. But when they are old men, they will all remember the day that they helped Jake Porter score a touchdown point. In moving down and serving, they experienced the height of joy. Down is up. And there is no mountaintop experience so high as knowing that God has used you in someone else's life. So who's it going to be for you this week? Who are you going to serve in your home, your neighborhood, your office, your school? Who are you going to serve so that you can know the joy of feeling the God of the universe, the God who even right now is creating galaxies and solar systems we don't even know about, experience that very God working through you to help someone else succeed and become everything he created them to be? And if you need help doing this, and all of us do, the person we look to is Jesus. Because he did this perfectly. Even though he was God, he left heaven, came all the way down to earth and became a servant, even willing to die for us so that we could be reconciled to God. And as a result, God raised him from the dead and then lifted him to heaven. And someday every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He came down and he was exalted. And it is the same with us. You see, we do not climb to the top. Rather, we descend into greatness. Down is up, and when we serve, then we are free. Lord, you are a servant, and you wrote the book on how to do this, literally. So, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, give us the strength and power we need to be the kind of servant that you are. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.